2 Kings chapter number 4. We just read verse 8. You know, the Bible does not waste words, and we can always count on it giving an accurate description. Uh, the Lord's just, he's not going to add a lot of fluff where it does not need to be given. We are taught to emphasize the glory of man. We often lift up man and his accomplishments and women and their accomplishments. But the Bible chooses to emphasize God's glory. So when it describes the Shunanite woman in verse number 8 of our passage as a great woman, there is something there that we certainly need to take note of. And we have to ask ourselves, what, what makes her great? Why did the Holy Spirit mention her? He doesn't even mention her by name, but he mentions, he describes her as a great woman. We know that God is always more interested in the heart than the outward appearance. You remember when Samuel was gone to Bethlehem to anoint the new king of Israel. He first saw David's oldest brother Eliab tall and handsome and strong. And Samuel said, Lord, surely this is him. But God told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, I don't look on the outward appearance. That's what man looks at. I look upon the heart. So if, if God describes this woman as a great woman, we know that he's not looking on the outward appearance. He's looking on the heart. So we already know that she would not be considered great based upon her looks. Our culture chooses to recognize women for their looks. We understand that God is not calling her great because of her talents. It wasn't her abilities that drew attention. God doesn't call her great because of her position. She didn't climb the ladder and socially or perhaps uh, in, in the work field. It wasn't that that God would cause her to, be the, to, to recognize her as a great woman. It has to be something inward, something within. And you could look at the rest of this chapter, and, and I encourage you to do so, and I'm sure that you could come up with your own list of reasons that you see in her life that makes her great. I'm only going to focus on three particular things this morning, and we're going to move through them. The first is that I notice her compassion. I want to tell you something. It always amazes me how compassionate women are. Uh, men, we can just kind of look over things. We don't tend to always look at the compassionate side of things. We really got to wait walking close to the Lord to begin to develop a compassionate heart. But women can be very compassionate. And we notice this in her life. I want us to read again verse number 8. Follow along. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. And it says that she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. When Elisha came by, it says that this Shunammite woman constrained him to eat bread. In other words, she would not take no for an answer. He could not say, no ma'am, I'm busy, I need to get from here to there. She would not take that. She probably looked at that preacher and said, no, you've missed too many meals. You look a little scrawny. 
you look a little famished, you need to sit down in my house and rest a little bit and let me give you some, some food and get you, give you some bread and give you some nourishment. She saw and recognized a need in Elisha, and she wanted to do something about it. So she, she wanted to minister to him. We notice in verse number 9 that she did this before she realized who Elisha was. Read verse 9 with me. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. She was already taken care of. Every time he came in and out, when he came by, she saw him. Listen, every time you are in Shunem, you drop by our house. We are going to take care of you. We want to be a blessing to you. I thank God for people like that, right? They go out of their way. They, they recognize. None of us ever want to say, man, I am hungry. I am starving. I need this. Uh, I, I just thought about this. When I was a young preacher man and living by myself, um, I did not eat very well. And I didn't make a lot of money. And uh, there were, to this day, I do not like our house to be cold in the winter because I about froze that winter. Uh, because I couldn't pay the electric bill, so I kept the, the thermostat down. And on Sunday afternoons, I would pray to God for somebody to ask me over for dinner. I would never ask for that, but I really wanted some fellowship, and I really needed a good meal. You know, and I wanted, I, I, I wanted that. I would never ask for that. This Shunammite woman, she saw this need in somebody's life, and she wanted to be a blessing to him. And it wasn't because he was the man of God. Over time, she began to perceive, you know, there's something about this guy. And she told her husband, I believe this is a holy man. I believe he is a man of God. I have learned this through the years, to trust my wife's judgment. Every man would be wise to say amen there. Trust your wife's judgment. There is, because of her compassionate spirit, she sees things that I may not see. And I've learned to trust her judgment of character or a situation. God's given some discernment there. She per, has a perception of a situation that I might not notice at first. And when I hear her say what she needs to say, I think, wow, that's pretty good. Tell you the truth, a lot of my, uh, I'm just being honest here, uh, a lot of spiritual points that I get and, and it leads to a sermon comes from our conversations. I'm just being honest. She doesn't write the sermons, but I love hearing her perception of what God has to say. Listen, you're, she, she notices this. And she says, I believe that this man is a holy man. He faithfully, Elisha faithfully served the Lord. And she saw an opportunity to be a blessing and encouragement. And this led her in verse 10 to approach her husband about an idea she had. Read verse 10 with me. She says, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. Man, don't you love it, guys, when your wife says, hey, we need to add on? We, we, need, to, we need to add another room here. She sees this need. And she approaches her husband. She says, can we do this? Can we... How about we add on this room that we all know today as the prophet's chamber? And she says, you know, she keeps it, he's just passing by. Probably had a Gideon Bible in the, in the desk. And, and he, that's a joke. 
And, and so there's, the, she, she says anytime he passes by, he knows he's got a warm bed to sleep in. He knows that he has food that is going to be here for him. This is going to be a bedroom for him and his servant. And we trust that when he comes, we want to be a blessing and taking care of him. She notices something. So what makes her great? I think it's her compassion. She sees a need in other people that others don't see. Does it say anywhere else in the Bible that Elisha went to this village and this village and they also offered? And maybe they did. But God chose to point out this particular woman. And he doesn't lift her up eternally by mentioning her name. He lifts her up because of what she did. And if God knows what she did, that is enough. Hello? You don't have to have everybody else to know it. If God knows about it, that's enough for all of us. So she's very compassionate. Then I want you to see that she was also a very modest individual. In verse, read with me in verse 11 through 13. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. You've been so good to us. We're very undeserving. Elisha wants to know, what is to be done for thee? What can we do for you? How can we repay you? And he offers some suggestions. Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. That was good enough for her. Elisha wanted to repay her for her generosity. Elisha, according to verse 13, had connections. And he offered her and her husband opportunity of promotion. That was not important to her. Helping her own was what was important to her. Very modest individual. Would you like for me to speak to the king on your behalf? Would you like for me to speak to the captain of the host? We would consider him the general of the army. Would you like promotion? Would you like increased social status? Would you like this? She said, no, I'm not impressed by any of that. I am who I am. I'm happy just dwelling among my own people. I'm happy with my neighbors and my community. And if I can just be a blessing to them, that is enough for me. What, what a humble spirit. What a modest individual. But we see later that she did have a desire in her heart that she didn't make known. Read verse 14 with me. And he said, well, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou men of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. She had a desire in her heart. That was something that she longed for. 
It was at the point that physically it was not able. Her husband was old, growing in years. But we have seen throughout the Bible that what it seems to be impossible with man, anything is possible with God. Right? There is a woman who is longing for a child. She's not able to conceive, not able to have one. She doesn't care about social status. She doesn't care about all of these other things that our culture wants to promote. She, just, she was content, loving those that God had placed in her life. And God saw this. He recognizes this. And in an only God manner, Elisha, speaking with the authority of God, says, you know, in about nine months you're going to have a baby. Don't tease me about this. Don't lie to me. Please don't say this. The power is not in Elisha. The power is in God. Listen, there is always hope. Can I get amen? There's always hope. There are mothers. There are, there, there, are, there are men. There are women. There are individuals. There are mothers. There are fathers. There are situations in our life where we grow discouraged and we grow upset and we grow weary and we're frustrated and we think that God doesn't see us and that God maybe doesn't care, I'm going to tell you something. God sees you exactly where you are. And I don't know what your lot in life will be. I, I, don't, I don't know that. I don't know that. But I have seen and witnessed many times where it seems often that God says no until God chooses to say yes. And in that way, only God can get the glory for it. Amen? She's very modest. She's very humble in her character. The thing that matters the most to her, she doesn't, she doesn't let it be publicly known. But God sees it. And he sends two men there and they see it. What can, we, what can be done for her? Gehazi says, well, I noticed there are no children. And Elisha says, that's it. We're going to intercede for her on God, on her behalf to the Lord. Then we notice her great faith. Her great faith. In verse 18, I want you to read with me. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day. I notice that three times shows up in this passage, it fell on a day. We never know what a day may bring. We never know who may enter our life on any particular day that changes our life. We never know on any particular day when God may give us a blessing that we never expected. And we never know on any particular day when our life may change. When the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said unto his father, in verse 19, my, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. I just got to say, that sounds just like what a daddy would do. Take him to mama. My head hurts, daddy. I'm struggling. I just thought about this. A couple of years ago when I was on staff here, we were on outreach and we were going door to door. And at that time... My teenage boys ran from house to house, going up there, knock on the door, or canvas, and leave a gospel track on the door. They were just going quickly. 
And I was doing everything I could to keep up with them. And this particular day, Clay kept dragging and dragging and dragging. And I said, son, you got to hurry up. We got to go. We got to get this. Claire goes running door to door now. But Clay was dragging. I said, son, you got to pick it up. We got to move quicker than this. And he just keeps getting slower and slower. We finally, we get done. We get in the car. I'm with Pastor Lewis and uh, Miss Joy. And uh, they invite us to go to lunch afterwards. And we went to the uh, Mexican restaurant uh, over there by Target. And as soon as we walked into the restaurant... How embarrassing. At that moment, I went from feeling pretty good about the day to feeling about that tall. He didn't complain. He just slowing down. I didn't know it bless the heart of sick. We took him in the restroom. We cleaned him up. And uh, we thought we were going to sit down and have a meal. He got sick again. Pastor Lewis had kind of a weak stomach. That was a pretty interesting time there. That was pretty funny. That's a good, that's a funny memory I have. We ended up having to carry him to the emergency room. He, he got sick so much, we had to carry him to the emergency room. Did they admit him? They didn't admit him that day? They admitted Claire, didn't they? They didn't admit him, but he had to get, he had to get fluids. He was so dehydrated. That's a daddy for you. Daddy, my head hurts. Well, it's all right. We still got work to do. My head, my head. Finally, he tells Someone, he tells the lad, go take him to his mama. Go take that rug rat to his mama. He gets to his mama. Watch this. Verse 20, and when, when he had taken him, he brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees till noon. You can picture that little boy in her, in her lap. They sit there the rest of the morning. And then he died. And when she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It'll be all right. It shall be well. That's a woman of great faith. How great a faith. Her child died. I can picture the tears, the sorrow. She carries him to that chamber that she had built for the passing preacher. And she laid him upon his bed. She called to her husband, Get me a young man. Get me a ride. We're going to go find Elisha. That's a mama. Daddy says, Why? What are you going to do? And she says, I just believe everything's going to be all right. That passes any faith of any person I've ever known. Doesn't mean she's perfect. We'll see that in a moment. 
But she knew this. What her child needed was the power of God in his life. Even when you get to the point that you feel like it's past the point of no return. And you've lost that child. Maybe not physically. Maybe it's in their behavior. Maybe they're grown and they do not want to return. They don't want anything with your church or your God. And you're struggling with that. And you think, what can I possibly do? They need a mama who just believes God can. And will do whatever it takes to intercede to be sure God has the opportunity. Are you with me? God just needs the opportunity. Well, watch. Let's watch what happens here. Can I ask you this? I want to ask you this quickly. Would it be well with you? Put yourself in her shoes. Would it be well? Could you say? I've never felt the pain that I feel right now. I've never had the questions. I've never had, I've never struggled like this. But I just believe that with God, everything's going to be okay. It shall be well. Watch verse 24. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding from me, except I give you. I love that verse. Don't overlook that verse. She says, You go as fast as you can. Don't you worry about me. <laughs> We're in a hurry. She saddled that, she saddled that donkey up. She got up on there. She says, listen, young man, you drive as quick as we can go. We're not worried about that. You don't worry about if I'm hanging on, if I'm about to fall off. If that's going to be the case, I'll let you know. But right now, we just need to get some help. I love that verse right there. Watch, watch here. So she went, verse 25, and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is the Shunammite. He recognized her. He says, Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And her response, verse 26, she answered, It is well. It's good. Is it good? Oh, it's not good. There's a reason why she's going as fast as she possibly can. Can you picture just barely hanging on? That's how I picture her. I picture barely hanging on for their dear life as they're going as fast as they can. You've, you've, if you've ever made that trip to the emergency room, you know where she's at. Right? Let's get there as quick as possible. Hanging on for dear life. He sees her. And I, man, that's a sight. That's a Shunammite woman. Go see what she needs. Ask her if everything is okay. She says everything's okay. Everything's going to be all right. Read verse 27. When she came to the man of God to the hill, she called him by the feet 
Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul was vexed within her, and the Lord, the Lord hath hid from me, and hath not told me. He's saying, The Lord didn't let me know why she's here. I don't know why she's here, but obviously she's troubled. So she said in verse 28, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? She's saying, listen, I didn't ask for this. Why did you give me a son just to take him away? I don't understand. What, did, I, did I ask you, don't, don't deceive me? Verse 29, he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, take my staff in thy hand, and go thy way. You get there quicker than I can. If thou meet any man, salute him not. Don't, don't worry about them. Don't pay attention to them. You just, you got a mission to do. You got to get there. Answer him. Uh, if any man salute thee, answer him not again. Don't say hi. Don't look at their face. You get going. Lay my staff upon the face of the child. Verse 30, the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. She says, that's not good enough. I want you there. God, through his power, blessed the prophet. She recognizes that, the man of God. She says, I, I, I want you to come. I'm not going to leave you. In verse 31, Gehazi passed before them, and he laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. And wherefore, he went again to meet him, and he told Elisha, saying, The child is not awaked. There is nothing. And when Elisha was coming to the house in verse 32, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and he began to pray unto the Lord. Why do you pray unto the Lord? Because God's the only one that has the power to do this, amen? The man of God can help, but you know what the man of God has to do? He's got to pray. He's got to pray to the same heavenly father that you pray to. It's the Lord that can deliver. It's the Lord that can help. No power in Elisha and his own strength. It's God's power. And he, verse 34, and he went up and he lay upon the child and he put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. And he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Mama, when you're tired and weary with your children, thank God for every opportunity to wipe their snotty nose. That child sneezed seven times. It's the greatest thing she ever heard or saw. We often feel overwhelmed. We feel at times frustrated as parents. We understand that it's an incredible responsibility and we never know what tomorrow brings for that reason. We need to walk close to the Lord today. Walk close to the Lord today. He called in verse 36, he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her. 
And when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. You know who the hero of the story is? It's the Lord. He's always the one that gets the glory. He's always the hero. He's always the one that sees. But God saw a woman with no, with no name that he wanted to mention. He just saw a woman, and he says, that woman right there, she's a great woman. Did she have troubles in her life? Absolutely. Did she have heartache in her life? Help me out. Yes, she had heartache. Was she perfect? Absolutely not. But she was someone that God saw, this woman, this woman cares about what I care about. It's people. What's most important to her is not climbing over people so that she gets recognition. What is most important to her is that she has the opportunity to minister to some people that can't minister to themselves. She had compassion. She was modest. Hey, I'll, God says, I'll give you what, whatever you want. What do you need? What can I do for you? Elisha wants to know, what can I do for you? She says, I'm good. I'm pretty blessed. Hello? Wouldn't our lives be different if we always recognized, Doc, how blessed we are rather than what we do not have? That would cause us to see other people who have needs. That would cause us to recognize opportunities to be a blessing. So many times we're so inward focused that we don't notice that. She said, I'm good. God's been good to me. I'm blessed. But in her heart, there's one thing that she wants. God says, I see that. And then he takes him away. And that's hard. And some of you have lost children. And that's hard. I have no words for that. And some of you have lost children that are still alive. They've rebelled. They've left. And that's heartbreaking. Where would you be without a God-fearing mama? Where would you be without somebody who loves you and is praying for you and intercedes for you? Think of all the times she interceded for you and God delivered you. Times she prayed for your salvation and you got saved. And maybe you're a mama here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can't give your children the most important thing that they need, and that is a relationship with the Father. You can't give that to them because you don't have that. What are we waiting on? It's the most important relationship you can have. And if we can direct our children to that, it's the most important thing that we can give our children. Hello? 
Maybe God's put a grandma in your life. Maybe he's put an aunt or an uncle in your life who's been your mother. Maybe you've been blessed and you're adopted. You've been given another opportunity. It is imperative that all of us walk with the Lord today because only God knows what's coming in our future. Amen? Every, every young man and every young lady who maybe he's not even married yet, you need to be concerned with your walk today because God knows what you need in your future. He can do it for you. Don't wait until it's all broken and crashed before you start looking to the Lord. Walk with him today. Let's bow our heads, please. Have our pianist.